You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. On this episode of the Salt Lake Deer Podcast, I welcome filmmaker Jason Loftus. His new documentary film, Eternal Spring, has been playing the festival circuit and will soon be released in North America. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Thanks for listening. All right, great. So I'm here uh, with an old friend, Jason Loftus. It's so good to see him again. Um, he has a new film out called Eternal Spring, um, and it, it was kind of brought to my attention because it was playing at the Dances with Films Film Festival in Los Angeles. And uh, it sounds like there's going to be... Uh, some uh, theatrical releases coming up soon in Canada where you're from that's coming up you just mentioned in August um welcome to the show Jason um thank you so much for having me absolutely to be here so we we met uh we we were just chatting about uh so 2020 right before the world kind of blew up up at slam dance in Park City Utah and uh we we met because of his film his incredible film ask no questions which was one of my top picks uh, for the documentaries uh, up there at um, at Slam Dance, and yet you had some pretty uh, incredible marketing going on that even tricked me uh, <laughs> at the time. So we could talk about that later if we have time, because I do want to talk about the new film Eternal Spring, which um, totally blew me away when I when I finally got the chance to sit down and watch it. I mean, it had this. Um, I mean, the 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 art in it. It's like a it's like this incredible graphic novel kind of a video game type feel is what I got from it. And it was just so captivating. Um, and it's kind of, you know, a continuation in, in certain respects from the from um, Ask No Questions. So uh, maybe you could just talk about like tell us about the film uh, and the genesis for it. And I mean, it, it sounds like I, I was a bit surprised um, w- with all the animation, like that's got to take a long time. And it feels like we, in some respects, we had just met, even though everything has changed. But uh, that seemed like a pretty quick turnaround. But yeah, I love the film. Is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> well, Eternal it, Spring. It, Go for it. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it was a. It took a lot longer than that, actually. So okay. I, I started with Eternal Spring before Ask No Questions, and the two films do kind of connect because one of them is sort of this deep dive investigative doc looking at a piece of Chinese misinformation and the human cost and the, you know, the human rights implications of of disinformation with regards to the persecution of Falun Gong in China, which I think has broader implications for, you know, sort of religious persecution and other types of, you know, freedom issues in China. Um, And, and the other film is this look at the people on the ground themselves. So rather than the sort of like outside look at, you know, the misinformation, it's like, what are the people on the ground doing to counter that? Like when you have no voice and the state media constantly says you're bad and evil and dangerous, and it justifies uh, that, you know, people should be turning you in and you should be sent off to labor camps and such. Uh, how do people on the ground respond themselves? And and it was just these remarkable stories of people, of what they had been doing. You know, many people are sort of making these Samas dot materials and handing out pamphlets and little, you know, video discs and things like this. But um, the story that caught my eye was these individuals in the city in Northeast China called Changchun, who uh, hatched a plan to hack into the state run television and basically take over the airwaves themselves briefly and, and play essentially a homemade video that, that uh, sought to debunk the state media narrative against them. And I just felt this you know, this, this struggle for the truth and the, and the role that media and information plays in kind of perpetuating injustice is a, is a theme that obviously stretches beyond China's borders as people can resonate with this feeling of like wanting to be understood, wanting to be properly represented and all that. And just seeing how far someone would go 
or a group of people would go to, um, you know, and how much that they would potentially risk in order to be able to speak out in the face of injustice. I just felt like uh, people can connect with that. I connected with it deeply. But the story really came to me um, a few years back when I was making this Kung Fu video game called Shuyen Saga, and it featured a lot of hand-drawn comic book art. And so we learned about this artist and he's featured in this in the film, Eternal Spring. His name is Dashong and he'd drawn for Justice League comics and Star Wars. And he'd also worked with um, Jin Yong, which is a, a major Kung Fu novelist in China. His name's Louis Cha. And he was, uh, you know, so he had the cultural background as well as this amazing artistic ability. And so we brought him up and he was working with us in Toronto uh, at our studio on, on this game. And getting to work with him, I got to know about his story and how he had had to flee his home in Northeast China in this city um, in the aftermath of this dramatic hijacking of the state television airwaves. And so... Uh, Dashong, I learned he came from the same hometown as my wife and filmmaking partner, Masha Loftus. Um, now, Masha grew up with no like connection to the Falun Gong community in China. She was uh, the daughter of a mid-level government official in the city. And just hearing for her what, you know, what people, what someone and what people had endured under her nose in her own city uh, really hit her. And for me, you know, from Ask No Questions that I had a familiarity already with Falun Gong and, and a concern for the human rights situation in China. So we both had our motivations for wanting to pursue the story more. And I think for me, from like a filmmaking perspective, there was this really exciting opportunity, which is that, you know, you've seen animation used in documentary and, you know, last year Flea was a big, was a big film that a lot of people enjoyed. I mean, for me, that one was more recent. I hadn't seen it until I finished working on this one, but, uh, but there were others that I really enjoyed, you know, in the past, even going back to Bashir um, years ago, uh, Waltz with Bashir um, Tower was a great film. They used different styles and, and different approaches, but I felt animation could be very powerful in documentary. But what excited me about this story in particular was that when, docu when I've seen documentary use animation, most often it is sort of this choice by the invisible hand of the director. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to use animation to create some recreations and bring you there because it's an interesting stylistic choice or maybe it sets a certain mood. But here it was very intimate to the storytelling. It was connected. Um, this is the journey of an artist who had to lose his, he lost his home. He left a lot behind. He has faced imprisonment and torture for his beliefs in the past. And so he's intimately connected with all these events and he's trying to better understand them. You know, why he wasn't, he was part of the community. He was affected in the aftermath of this TV hijacking, but he wasn't directly part of it. And so he's also wanting to understand this event better and understanding what motivated these people who were willing to risk this much. And he comes to it with sort of, you know, some unanswered questions and some mixed feelings, right? And I thought that was beautiful to see how art could help this artist come to an understanding of an event that had had a, a massive impact on his life. And hopefully along the way, bring some type of understanding or catharsis. And so, you know, seeing the way that he could draw, and he had already sort of had this habit of sketching some of these characters and, you know, and some of the things from his past. And so we, we approached this from the angle of would you be willing to go on this journey and try and meet other people, try and connect with others who may be able to fill in these gaps and really flesh this out and then use the animation that we have in our studio to bring his, his very detailed illustrations to life and some type of, you know, animated experience. So it was a, it was a unique idea, an exciting idea, but also one that, as you can tell by looking at it, especially with a small indie team, we plugged away at this for, for like yeah, five, yeah. six years, basically. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
and it's funny thing is like if you look at the credits at the end you know like obviously we had a lot of people working on it over time but if you look at the animation department it's four people and there's like and that's including the animation director like you don't see that in a feature length right, animated right. film and there's one guy who rendered and and did the lighting for the entire film which i think is a record so it's a small <laughs> team and you have to chip away at it but a lot of people kind of shared this passion or this vision to do something unique in the approach to this story yeah i think that was like um my favorite parts of the film was when he was sitting down with people who had experienced um like the event itself and he was talking with them and drawing and just seeing their emotional response to that because i think like i heard something on a um some show last night where there it was an oil painter and they were talking about how um you like a photograph is you know documenting something and beautiful in its own way but when someone like draws something or or, or paints it or um sketches it you have that prism of the artist um so it shows like a human a more human element of it um as opposed to just documenting what happens so i think um he was documenting it but then he you know he was evoking such strong um emotional responses from the people like he was bringing them home um mm -hmm. when they when they you know they had to they've had to leave uh and so it's just such a such a wonderful um experience you, you made me think of something you know just with that because we were this is what starts to happen is that i was very curious how would people who were there react to the drawing and we and so part of the thing we did with the film is you know we made that part of the story it was it was pieces that were already being created, you see it and you see him sharing it with people. Mm -hmm. And so you see that process and how he connects with Mr. White around some of his early memories. But even now that we're screening the film, um, we were in the Netherlands and Dashong had known that there was someone from his hometown that he had known there who was there. And she knew someone else who was also from Changchun. And so she brought this sort of friend of a friend to a screening we had at Movies That Matter. And this lady was, she was so connected with the film. She was crying uncontrollably through most of the film. And then later on, you know, I realized she knew these people who were in the film intimately. She knew them very well. And she said she felt like she had seen them again. And so even though Dashong didn't know some of these characters well, and he's going based on testimony and he's, and sometimes photographs and sometimes not photographs. And we've had people where there was no photograph available and he drew someone. And then people who knew that person said, wow, that looked just like her. And that, that just really hits you. It's almost yeah. like a it's like, wow, <laughs> you know, but he's, he's really able to do something really, um, really exceptional with his, with his pen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's, that, that was a unique opportunity here. Yeah. And, and like you said, um, just such an interesting dichotomy with ha having someone, you know, part of the same faith, but he had his reservations about kind of the, um, the hijacking of the, of the station and, and was this the right thing to do he was not directly involved but he had you know it, it impacted his life um in a massively you know logistically negative way um where he had to re relocate eventually um so yeah it was such a beautiful just um journey just to have him there to to understand um and to kind of process all that so i mean it was just um, I've never seen seen anything quite like this before. It was like, yeah, and very beautiful, incredible, emotional. Um, I know, and and like you said, I think one one amazing thing about it is, um, it's like the 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 more specific you you get with like a human story, the broader appeal it can have um because it's very this is very specific but like you said there's so many things that can translate to all cultures different countries are you know the united states where 
you know, where I am right now, uh, made me think about a lot of things, you know, so it, it just, it crosses over, um, just with how, how specific it is to, um, that, that, you know, that specific, you know, faith and Falun Gong and, and, and just in China. So, I mean, it was just, yeah, outstanding. I think that this was, this one really blew me away. I, I mean, I, I would love to see it on the big screen. So, um, oh, we really made it for that. And, and I hope you'll get the chance with the theatrical. I'll be sure to let you know when we have our dates. It looks like we're the second week of August here in Canada and we're in talks in the U.S. to to widen that out. And I know we'll be in some theaters in the Netherlands as well in October. So we're, we're looking to, to hit as, as many screens as we can with it. But we made this, you know, when we started working on it and seeing Dashong and his art and how evocative these these, um, you know, the illustrations and how he was able to recreate um, the locations where he was and everything. We just felt it, it needed to be appreciated on a, on a big screen format. So we, we took the decision early on, like, let's go cinema 4k 239, like scope format, just let's just go big. And, and we'll, and, you know, and then of course, like I said, it took a really long time to make it. And so in the middle of that, there's like a pandemic that happens and everything's closed. And we're like, is everyone going to be watching this thing on their phones later? Certainly <laughs> 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 hope yeah. not. So, you know, fortunately from another perspective, it took a really long time to finish it. And by that time, things had thought out a little bit and yeah. screens, you know, theaters were opening up and, you know, it, it's, that's wonderful because, um, you know, the, the response uh, from an audience and being able to create something and work as long as we did on it. And obviously as a filmmaker, whenever you come across something, you know, subject matter touches you, but you're able to spend so much time with the material. And so the big question is like, you know, what goes beyond, what goes on beyond the frame. Right. And so can you do justice to the, to the material that you've come across and be able to communicate something to people where they resonate with it at the same sense, but in a 90 minute experience in a theater. Right. And so you don't know, but we started our run and in Thessaloniki was the world premiere in Greece, a uh, great documentary festival that they have there. And that was our first show. And, and the place was like mostly silent after. And it took me a while to realize, I was like, what are they thinking, right? And then you get to the Q&A and you realize, well, these people are thinking either, actually rather deeply about the subject. And then they were, you know, they had to cut the Q&A off because they needed the theater, it just went on and on and on. And then That's people great. were approaching me in the lobby and, and, it, and people came up and they were like, you know, I was like shaking throughout the film. And, and it felt like, and one lady told me, she's like, I think it might be the best documentary I've ever seen. And so this is your wow. first screening, right? And you start oh to gosh, get this yeah. kind of response from people coming up. And then you realize, okay, you know, it's satisfying as a filmmaker, but also, uh, you know, and then we didn't realize it, but we ended up picking up a couple of awards and at that first festival. But the thing for me was, yeah, that's satisfying as a filmmaker, but there's something else that really like triggered here for me with this film was that I realized I had developed a relationship myself with these characters. And I felt, you know, without spoiling too much, a number of people don't survive. Right. And a number of people have sacrificed their freedom and, and huge things in order to be able to speak out. And I realized I really, it was really gratifying for me to be able to share their story and for people to connect with them and for people to be, and for their story to continue on, even though they weren't able to, to directly say what they wanted to say uh, any longer, right? So I feel that was something that I ended up finding was really, really satisfying. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, that's like the, the top, the best compliment you could get as a filmmaker. I could imagine when you when you impact an audience at that level. Um, I was really disappointed. I wasn't able to. So I was down there for dances with the films, but I but I had to cut out um, a few days before your screening. So I am really curious how the screening went down there. And, um you know that's that's a pretty cool film festival I, you know that's a you know awesome was, venue right the yeah, Chinese theater and it, everything it yeah. was so great that that was back you know back in person um so yeah i'm just kind of curious how uh, you know how what, what your experience was there 
Um, well, it was, <laughs> we've had a, we've had kind of like a magical run to be honest. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we've won awards at, at like every festival we've played in North America right now, in terms of every competitive festival, we were in the non-competitive human rights watch festival in New York as our U S premier. And we sold out both the IFC center and the Lincoln center there. And we had people lined up down the street. We had to turn people away and they, some of them busted later in New Jersey to see us oh, at, wow. at the lighthouse festival, but we won uh, the audience prize at the Chinese theater. So that like, you yeah. could imagine that's a measure of like a volume of people, but also the response that we were getting. And I think that's just the thing we had, you know, people, people are connecting with it. And that's just, it's the most satisfying thing as a filmmaker, you realize you're invested in the story, you're invested in the characters. It's a real story. It's not something you created and, and you feel like you're kind of carrying on some of their effort there in, in a sense. And so it means a lot. Um, and then obviously, you know, the accolades are wonderful in their own right. Uh, we're up to like a dozen festival honors just through the spring, through three months, which is wild. We had a double win at Hot Docs, which is, you know, the top doc fest here in North America. So it was, it was just, it's all been wonderful. But what it also for me means is like, it's great because it, it means there's more opportunities for the film. More people get to see it. We're going to be able to be in more festivals. It opens up these opportunities for theatrical, which you want. And, you know, whenever you make something and you put this much time into it and it's a unique story and you want to share it with people, you're just, you know, it's, you, that's what you want most is for those opportunities and those doors to open. Yeah. No, that, that's so cool. Cause it, like what you just said about how it's, um, I'm thinking uh, the big truck, the, the character, big truck, the, the guy, like that was, um, probably, I think that was my, he was my favorite, um, person in the documentary just cause he, you know, hearing, or just even visual, like seeing him, like, you know, artistically represented, you wouldn't maybe think he would join a, you know, Falun Gong. I mean, um, but I think what, what kind of opened my eyes was like, and this is just my own ignorance. I mean, just making that faith, like so much more um, humanizing and seeing like all these different people that were attracted to it. Um, and, and the fact that, uh, you know, they were just trying to, tell people that no this is good this is good you know this is actually help like the way we live our lives is helping china as a whole um and they were just you know and even today right heavily persecuted um just like a lot of uh, religions in in china so it, it is an incredible thing that this film is like taking on like picking up where they left off in a, in a respect um it's media and it's showing you know this story and just these um horrible injustices that have happened to people who who are living peaceably um so yeah i'm really excited for uh for people to see this all over the world i appreciate that no and there's something you touched on there also when you were mentioning you know just the 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 disagreements even they had before they were before they pulled this off and then seeing the the kind of the diversity of the people in the group that was important for me because i i think it's a natural human tendency that we want to understand um, groups that are, you know, that we're not part of or communities that are foreign. It's like, we want to try and like, okay, how do I quickly summarize this? So like there, these people are like this, right? right. And, and so there was a temptation here, um, you know, and in the last film as an investigative doc, we're talking with the Western journalists who witnessed the events and, and it is very much like getting that perspective from different people and trying to piece together what had happened. And there was always this temptation of like contextualizing and like, okay, do we need someone to like say, well, this is what this group is about and give, and, and I realized, you know what, we often want to do that, but here there was this opportunity to really just put the audience in the room and, and say, 
what made these people tick? What are these people like? And hopefully give us a little bit of a more nuanced perspective instead of just like, here's what Falun Gong is, right? And see the different people who are there and to see that there's disagreements among people. Like, I think that's helpful. I think people see, okay, well, look, people had different ideas. People are coming at this from different angles and I can understand why this would be a point of tension, right? So for me, that was important. And I think, you you know, touching on that, um, you know, I've been in and around the Falun Gong community for a couple of decades. Uh, I, f- I feel like, you know, for one, it's a remote issue. It's, it's something that's also people have compassion fatigue. So they know maybe a couple of decades ago, yeah, there was a persecution. Is that still going on? And yeah, like you said, it definitely is still a current issue. And we see the types of tactics that are used in the treatment of Falun Gong and the persecution reflected in other groups now that are being repressed in China as well. If you look at the Uyghurs and the internment camps they have in the Northwest, if we look at the erosion of freedoms and, and the inability to question narratives in Hong Kong as well, we see similar things happening with other groups that we've seen through the persecution campaign against Falun Gong. So it's, it's relevant beyond that. But yeah, this idea of just being able to humanize and being able to, to have people just hear it from them directly uh, and without that filter, then th- that brings them, them closer to these people. And I think it makes it more universal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was just... Um... Yeah, so 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 interesting seeing all the different you know perspectives, and it wasn't just like clear cut like oh we're gonna go take over this station. It was like there was a lot of trepidation um, with some of them, and rightfully so. And I mean that I mean that is a cool thing. I don't know if "cool" is the right word, but it's it's an incredible thing to see um, people pulling off like uh, you know. The, to me, that's a heroic act. What they did, um, yeah, was there questions about whether this is the best way to do it the right thing to do um but you can be afraid and be heroic at the same time and i thought that was really um shown beautifully in in the film with it with these people thanks yeah appreciate that yeah definitely um well yeah so we have the the festival run is is that kind of wrapping up now that we have uh no 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 i'm taking a small (laughs) break in the summer my feet are planted in one place for a little more than three weeks in a row which is kind of a record i was getting used to every second week in a different time zone but i I head back on the road on sunday i'm off to australia we'll be in the melbourne uh, documentary film festival there um there are a couple others. I'm not sure if they've been announced yet in August, so I'm not going to say them because I can't keep track of what's sure. announced and what's not announced. <laughs> but uh, continuing on with more in September, October, November in Europe, we'll be back over there a number of great festivals this fall. So um, we're going to do the festivals concurrently with some theatrical and different markets. So those are happening all at the same time. And uh, yeah, really our, our window to be on big screens will mostly be, um, you know, for the next uh you know, six to nine months or whatnot. And so we're going to go as, as much as we can in as many markets as that before we have a, a wider release and, and looking forward to, I mean, a wide release will be great too, because, you know, then lots of people can see it, but there's something special about being able to be there with people. And I'm going to try and keep hitting as many of these festivals as I can to, you know, to be there for the conversation and just to see how people, it, if <laughs> you do get, you'd think you'd get tired of seeing your own film and, and it's, but but there's something about sharing it with people, you know, and, and really it's because I feel in this case, it's an issue where people, most people are like, I didn't realize that this happened. Right. And I, and, and, you know, you've, and definitely, even if they knew, they only knew from a headline and they didn't know the characters, right. Because until this, you know, 
this one individual, Mr. White, you know, who was able to actually get out of China, the only surviving hijacker, like we didn't really have much of an insight into why exactly they did what they did, how they pulled it off, you know, all those things, right? We just knew people around them who might have known them a little bit. So, so I feel for most people, it's kind of like, wow, this is completely fresh and new. And, and that to me is just really, you know, it's, it's nice to be part of it and be able to talk with people about it and see how they react. And I feel I learned a lot after the, after the film is done as well, just seeing how people connect with it in different ways and have different reactions. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is great that festivals are opening it up, up again because, um, yeah, when we met uh, a couple of years ago, that was, that was the last in-person um Yeah, that Sundance was it. I thought Sundance. that was the start and that was the end. So we did <laughs> like a dozen festivals after that, but they were Zoom calls. They you know? were Zoom calls, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> which is, you know, it's, uh, it's, you do what you can, you adapt, right. But, but there's something missing. And at least, you know, that film, uh, I think, ask no questions. It's an investigative doc. And we, we, we use that aesthetic that was very much like, you know, like the, the kind of VHS videotape edit, because it was circa like late nineties and early two thousands when this event had happened. And, and so that plays well on a, obviously we, other sound design and the, and the, you know, and the visuals and stuff we did intend it to be, you know, seen on the big screen, but it plays well on the small screen. And, and it's just for, for me, for the second film here with the art and the way that we've constructed it with the wide format and everything, it's just, I'm really glad we're able to have a proper festival run. But yeah, you reminded me of what we mentioned early on when we connected at Park City with the, so one of our producers on, on the films, Kevin Ku, uh, he's ethnically Chinese and he was really game to play along with this whole idea because at the time when we're going into Park City and unfortunately it's still an ongoing issue with the sort of influence of China wields in Hollywood and stuff, but it was in the news at the time, you know, the MBA, um, there was the one assistant general manager who had spoken out about Hong Kong and then that, you know, everyone in the MBA had kind of reacted and more more silent in the face of what was going on there and so there was that controversy and we thought okay this would be an interesting people are thinking about this and so we it, in park city what happens with slam dance is this it's the poster wars and it's such a cool independent festival right where it's like you know you're out there you make your own posters and you have these poster wars where you're posting them and constantly going on top of other people's posters we thought, okay, we like we can play the same game that everyone else is playing, but instead we we had this idea to like have an eight foot tall, you know, basically letter from the the fictitious Ministry of Hollywood Supervision, just telling people <laughs> not to go see our film. And Kevin dressed up. We managed to score uh, a, an actual like Chinese cop outfit, and so he standing <laughs> on the street. And and it was funny because most of the people got that it was clever marketing and there was a few people who were like you're telling me not to go see this movie and then i'm gonna go see it I was like, all right well that's that's okay too you can take that because it's funny it's like sometimes fiction gets so close to reality it's like yes there is there is definite like it's funny with with dances i met with uh i met with uh like a talent agent there who had reached out and and uh, without naming names or getting into things he told me about another filmmaker he was representing and who who had made a film um you know i guess i probably can't say like the details about it but it was a film that was sensitive to chinese human rights they had a, an offer from a major streamer and it got pulled the offer mm -hmm. right and so it's like 
and now you know it's a completely different deal and and the exposure and stuff is less as well so it's it's you can see um, but usually it's behind the scenes so people know that it's true that that there is this influence that hollywood is wielding and you know that there is some self-censorship that happens so they they interpreted the chinese cop on the street as like okay i guess that's true but the reality is it normally happens a lot more quietly than that not so overt so it was funny to see how people reacted to it but that's, uh, yeah, that's the one that stood out to me, like, because it, it took me a split second. And then I thought, like, the beautiful thing about it is, like, HBO can't come down and, like, cover all of your posters. So they can't, <laughs> they can't cover the poor guy. No, we had to, we would do them for, like, a, you know, it was like a 45 minute thing. And we printed, I forget how many we printed of them. So we would just do that, a, you know, a couple times a day. We would just, or a few times a day, we'd just go there and put the eight foot letter from the Chinese authorities telling people not to go watch our film. And then people get it. People get what we're dealing with. And it speaks to the issue, right? And so sometimes, you know, you have to laugh a little bit when there's something sensitive and you're facing pressure. It's like, well, what are you going to... And that's the thing. I, I mean, I, with this film, I mentioned I started Eternal Spring first. I met Dashong working on this Kung Fu video game. And that game was being published by Tencent, which is a huge media company in China and a major player in the gaming space internationally. And um, we were just in the midst of the launch of the game. It was up on their storefront everywhere. We were really excited. And all of a sudden it, it disappears. Mm. And then I reached the, the rep over there. And uh, you know, we're told that the Chinese government told them to cut ties with our company. And, and I'm asked, are you doing anything that's not aligned with the Chinese government direction? And then my wife, her family is in Changchun still. And, they're getting calls from the public security bureau and saying, Hey, we know what you're up to overseas. So there's this kind of pressure that's happening. And, you know, in the end, it's like, well, do you continue to do this and tell this story? But then you see like, that's, and this is something that I learned through ask no questions is that you're speaking with all these journalists and a lot of them are like, Oh yeah, you should, this is a really important story, but like, I can't speak on the camera, you know? So they're like, everyone has got their own kind of, reasons why we can't explore these things but then what happens is that years go by or even decades go by and the chinese narrative the chinese government official narrative it doesn't get challenged necessarily in the same way so you realize it's important but i also feel like you know when you see these people coming out of china and you see that all that they've gone through um in order to be able to speak out it's like it's hard for us we're much more comfortable we have much less at risk i feel like we should use do what we can to shine a light on those things and then in the same vein, it's like, you know, sometimes if you can take it lightly, and that's what the Chinese, the, the whole cop stunt is, you know, humor is powerful that way. I think it's just kind of like saying, hey, you know what? Like, yeah, this is real. You know, I face that stuff myself. Like, I realize the pressures are real. I'm not trying to, to like wave, wave a finger at you and say you're a bad guy if, you, if you're afraid of upsetting the Chinese government. I get it. But at the same time, you know, I think we kind of still have to go there because, if we don't, then we're all silenced. Then what does that lead to, right. you know? So. No. And, and like I said earlier, I think just like telling these very specific stories that, you know, we've, you know, like before your film, the, you know, the last one up at Slam Nuts, I had never really, I was not aware of any of this. Mm -hmm. um, and if, you know, if I had seen it on the news, it's like long forgotten. So um, it really brought attention. And when you bring something that's so specific in nature, it does have that broad uh, effect on, um, you know, it really can appeal to people from all over the world and all kinds of backgrounds, because there is, there is, you know, and it, there's a spectrum, but there, there are similarities, um, or at least we know of a situation or, or a circumstance. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm just, I'm so happy that, that you, that you guys have been making, um, 
you know, films like this because it is, it is important thing. And they're, and they're, and they're good films too. Like they're, they're highly engaging. So it's like, that's a bonus, <laughs> but um, wonderful stuff. Um, I guess as we wrap up, anything else you want to, you want to talk about the, the film or any, um, anything? So, I mean, we're, I mean, I'll let people know that um, we're also, if, especially if any of your audience is interested in sort of the new media space and the extension that film has into some new mediums, we, just by the nature of our studio. So I mentioned on, earlier on that, that we, we do video games, we do digital media and stuff as well. So sometimes when I look at a subject, I'll look at um, each medium, I feel kind of has its own unique strengths and weaknesses. I don't think that there's any sort of one, um, you know, that, that handles all of it, but I feel, um, you know, with a story, certain things lend themselves to feature, certain things lend themselves to other mediums. And we're taking part of this experience of eternal spring and creating a virtual reality experience that I think will be really cool. Just wrapping that up now, and that will be part of our effort, you know, to introduce it to festivals and other other sort of distribution opportunities down the road as well. So people who are interested in this, you can keep your eyes out for that as well. Um, because of the sort of the nature of all the you know, the comics uh, and, and how that plays into the film and the motifs and stuff. We are also going to be releasing a, a digital comic as well. So there'd be other sort of ways to engage with the, the content as well as we go forward. So well, that's wonderful. That, that. That's yeah. wonderful. Cause I, I was, I was going to ask you about that actually, but I, you know, I didn't want to be bugging you because it's like, you yeah. have this project. It's like, Oh, you should make a graphic novel. You should do this. But I was like, that's, it's perfect. I mean, it, it, tra yeah. it transcends, um, the, you know, that's, Oh, that's very we've got, exciting. We've got like an adult coloring thing too, actually, like um, uh, an Apple Pencil app, because uh -huh. I thought one of the cool things was, you know, and this is kind of like the artistic process that we used for creating these things is how do you translate Dashong's like hyper-realistic 2D illustrations into something that has more depth and 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 is is more alive right because this the images as detailed as they are they're also static and so we tried to and we had the opportunity because we'd already worked with dashong to sort of play with how do we take his art and work that into in a more like a 3d space and so uh you know it, what we ended up doing actually was so he would draw boards he would storyboard scenes that we were working on and then we would use the 3d software we're working in maya and we would build the environments and we would have the camera moving here and there. And so we had the idea of how we, we wanted to make the scene work in animation. And then what we would do is we would use the cameras in Maya and we would sort of take images from one perspective and another perspective, and we would print those out on sheets. And then Dashon would draw these sort of hyper detailed backgrounds and he would draw them on these, basically on these boxes of like, okay, building goes here, another street is over here, this kind of stuff in, in the skyline and such. And then what we would do is we would scan those like hand-drawn works mm -hmm. and and drape them onto the onto the objects in the 3D space. And so that's oh, why wow. you get this feeling of like, oh, the camera's moving in a 3D space yeah. and you get a 3D perspective. But everywhere you look, it's like Dashon's hyper-detailed like illustrations in the background and in the coloring and stuff. And so so um doing that and having that kind of unique process, we kept thinking, we get all these comments about because we have all these things lying around the office, mm -hmm. right? Of like these actual hand-drawn illustrations all the time. People are like, oh, these are so cool. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we'll also have an Apple Pencil app where people can kind of work as a background artist and they can take these drawings and they can color them and then, you know, in the app and and we'll have some podcasts that we'll introduce there as well where people can get a little bit more of a, an insight into the creative process and the artistic process and kind of, you know, pull the curtain back and have people be able to be part of the you know, that, that, uh, process with us. So that's the, another idea for an app that we'll have coming out shortly. Oh, that's so cool. I'm excited for that. That's, that's great. Um, well, yeah, Jason, thank you so much. It was, it was great reconnecting and, and, you know, the film is eternal spring and I'll have links, um, 
at, you know, as stuff comes out, I'm, I'm following it. I love the film and I want to make sure as many people uh, get to see it as possible. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Kyler. Yeah, people who want to check us out, just uh, eternalspringfilm.com. Excellent. So yeah, we'll have links below. Um, great, great chat. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, real quick, Jason, um, when do you have a date that it would be ideal for me to put this up? I, I can put it up whenever you'd like. Um, yeah, you know what? If we, I, th I have a feeling that in July we'll be able to land a date. So if, if uh, and you know what, like timed, because it's the internet, so it's everywhere. So if it was timed, like if I'm <laughs> ideal, ideal situation for uh -huh. me, uh, like very start of August would be amazing because we okay. would have, uh, it looks like the second week of August around or about August 12th, um, we'll be on screens in Canada. And by then we should know the, the U S dates as well. So we'll be going okay. by that point, we'll be advertising for that as well. So it'd be amazing. Excellent. Yeah. I'll plan on that. And then I'll just, I'll just follow you guys online and, and, and Make sure you have all the up-to-date information and I'll put that up as well. Thanks so much, Kyler. Pleasure. Yeah, th this was Appreciate fun. It. Okay, good luck. Okay, we'll see you later. Cheers.